On this episode of Architect, we talk about workplace design, how those designs are shifting considerations, how AI and technology can help the workplace and the common language spoken between architects and technologists. All that and more next on Architect. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Architect, Episode 6. Recorded Friday, August 30th, 2019. Microwave Brownie. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Atlas IED. Innovative audio solutions for every business environment. This is Architect, a monthly look at how architecture and AV and technology come together. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. Today, we're going to talk about workplace design, how the designers and the architects that work in those areas can get technology and get AV folks in uh, a little bit sooner. With me today to talk about that very thing is Kay Sargent from HOK. Welcome, Kay. Thank you for having me today. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we were talking about this today, and actually, I want to mention something. You were a part of a panel uh, with, with SEN's uh, AVIT Summit uh, in New York. <laughs> yes, I was. Yeah. yeah, you guys were talking about uh, the, the topic of the of the uh, topic was was architecting AV. Um, yeah, a, a couple of, of mutual friends of ours. One was, was Corey Schaefer uh, from USC, and then was Megan Dutta, uh, obviously from SEN, um, mentioned that that talk was one of their favorite and you specifically what's the favorite part of, of that talk oh. a brief overview obviously you know not everybody was there in, in, you know, uh, so give us kind of an overview of what architecting av means to you sure so um, i i've never been one to be shy from making some bold statements and so that was probably uh some of the the thoughts that they had on that but you know that we had a great panel and we were all talking about uh what we need to do today and i think uh julian made a great statement in the beginning he said you know today we're living in a world where you need to go big go niche or go home and um my good friend eric visa from google dropped some great uh, advice too. He actually channeled Jerry Steinfeld and he said, pain is knowledge rushing in. Um, you know, and so we all kind of, it's going to be a very painful process for all of us. But I think I was one of the only design professionals in the room. And I think what was intriguing to the audience, I think, is um, that quite frankly, I, I made a statement that I think I don't think that we as designers should be able to get far down the path without incorporating AV and IT guys because so often they're not brought in until after the fact, after stuff has been designed, it's been cited, the room sizes, et cetera, and then they're told this is what we need to achieve and we need you to fit all this great stuff in here and make it work. And they're working with something that was never designed properly in the first place, you know, whether it's the dimensions of the room, the size of the room, the scale of the room, other elements. And so they're set up to fail from the beginning. And I think what we all need to do is a much, much better job of bringing everybody together early on in the process to really create holistic solutions that will give our clients uh, the results that they want. 
and, and it's something that that one of the biggest was that you know getting in on and, and honestly it's one of the reasons we started this very program was to start that conversation and, and help integrators and, and honestly architects had to you know, earlier in the process yeah what is that well look like? I'll, oh, go ahead good what, what does that look like yeah. uh what, what that well you know okay so so here's a few things and by, and by the way what does it not happen let's start let's start in a sense with that um so i sat there the rest of the day after being on the panel and i listened and I cannot even tell you how many moments it was just kind of like, where am I and what language are these people speaking? Like, I don't even understand what the words that are coming out of people's mouths right now. Like, it's, you all have this whole language that you use that, you know, it's like speaking in tongues almost. Like, nobody else understands what it is. And I think that, you know, we all kind of have our own terminology. You know, we often get into designees and we can start, you know, speaking that way as well. But, you know, number one, we need to come together earlier in the process. Number two, we need to start thinking of not a, about A, B, and IT as something that gets applied or added to a space. It needs to be designed to be integral to the space. And quite frankly, when it's done right, we shouldn't be able to see the difference between the physical and the virtual and the, you know, the realm. They should be totally intermixed and totally intertwined because they are that dependent on each other. And so um, I think part of it is just, you know, getting everybody to the table, understanding what that means. And, you know, the problem right now is our clients want everything so fast. They want everything so fast. And, and one of the other highlights, I think, are the things that we talked about in the panel was I had this great exchange with a client recently. And I said, you know, you guys want everything so fast. You show up and you're like, I want a cake. I'm like, okay, we can make you a cake. And I start baking this cake. And, you know, I, I bake it and I put it all together and I put it in the oven. And five minutes after it's gone into the oven, you're like, all right, I need it. Where's my cake? Where's my cake? It's like, well, wait, it's not done. It's not done baking. You're like, but I need it now. And, you know, if you ever pull a, you know, something out, I mean, it's a pile of brown mush. And so we need time to let these things bake. And the process is so fast today that we often don't have time to bring AV in early on in the process and take the time to get that right. And it's important that we do that. And my client said to me, well, then maybe we need a microwave. Oh. I'm like, all right, well, have you, ever, have, have you ever tasted a cake that came out of a microwave? Not that great. And he goes, well, I said, maybe we need to change. Maybe you don't really want a cake. Maybe you need a microwavable brownie. And he's like, yeah, I think that's what I need. And that whole ridiculous exchange, in a sense, was saying, we have to rethink what the end result is. We have to, you know, in some cases, I think we overdo certain things and underdo others. But we need to rethink it. And if what our clients really need is a microwavable brownie, they, they need to understand they're not getting a cake because of their timelines. They're going to get a microwaveable brownie. And for a lot of our clients, good is good enough today because of the speed and the pace of change. And then other clients, they want that fully baked cake. And so we can't go into endeavors just assuming everybody needs a fully baked cake anymore. We really have to figure out what's the ultimate goal, what are the drivers, 
who do I need to bring to the table and how can I achieve what you want? It's interesting. You're using a lot of the phrase. You mentioned the fact that we have different languages, different words. And yet, some of the challenges and some of the terminologies we use are the same. Use the term uh, good enough, right? And, and for this particular um, client in this particular situation, but it is good enough for them because they understand, hey, what? sometimes that's what, what, what I need. That's what I have time for is a crowning. Yeah. You, you look look at you know specifically particularly folks who have been in it for a while and and have, you know designed and, and put together you know seven layer cakes as well as brownies. Um, bemoaning the fact that audio specifically uh, has gone from you know full range listening to it on records and LPs to good enough being an MP3 being pushed through you know, speakers. I find it interesting that we're, we're both kind of in the situation where sometimes you both we all have to say yes this is good enough for the client but it has to be good enough for us well you know and, and i'm going to tell you as a designer that pains me to have the words good enough come out of my my mouth because i i we always want to strive for design excellence and we always want to strive for the best but we also have to realize that we've got a lot of clients today that don't know what the hope the future holds for them and they may not even be around in three to five years, or you know, there's there's things that are evolving that are going to rapidly change. And so, I think what's really interesting here is that we're living in a time where we're seeing the middle, where most of us have dwelled, disappearing. You know, on one hand, we have the, the whole thing is I need it now, I need it fast, I need it good enough, versus we need highly curated, tailored experience. And so the analogy I'm going to use is when I was a kid, we went to department stores. Now my kids either buy things from thrift stores and Amazon or online or posh or, you know, you know, retreads, uh, you know, online, or they want super high end designer items and they're willing to pay for it, but it's the extremes. I think we're living through a period and we're going to have to go through this where the middle is disappearing for a lot of our clients. They either want and know they're going to be around for a while and they're going to be in this space for a while and they want a highly tailored, highly personal, highly customized experiences that are that seven layer cake, as you said, versus, yeah, we don't even know where we're going to be in three years and, and what's going to happen and we're expecting rapid growth and, you know, we might get acquired or et cetera. Good is good enough. The middle, I think, is disappearing. And we need to be able to respond to that. And again, this is one of those areas where, where we, we have similar and, and common experiences, uh, specifically in, in the residential AV space. The middle, the middle is rapidly disappearing. Um, and I think also in, in some commercial spaces, because you're right, you're either not sure where you're going to be or you're planting your flag and we're going to be here for a long time. Yeah. So we, we, yep. when, when you're doing that, when you're when you're looking at a space and you're taking your know, design and you you, you say yourself you want to bring technology, you want to bring AV and in the other together. How do you do that to create this productive working space, regardless of whether they're going to be there for six months or going to be there for two? So uh, a few things. I think you need to do um, a really good analysis of what do they really need. 
And, you know, we are getting uh, tech solutions and, uh, you know, it's kind of omnipresent in spaces today. But there's also at the same time this rise of high tech equaling high touch of people wanting uh, you know, marker boards and blackboards and chalkboards and, you know, kind of old school is new again where they can kind of physically write and draw, et cetera. So it's about balancing it and understanding that one solution probably isn't going to be right for everything. So it's about really understanding the intent, not making an assumption that everything is going to be, oh, we need a, we need a monitor everywhere. You know, some cases we don't. Some cases we need a, a big monitor. And, you know, I think, in, and again, it's about that in the middle was just put monitors everywhere and, you know, you know, middle of the road and we're good. Some spaces don't need them at all. And they need a lot of display boards and, um, you know, analog uh, opportunities for information sharing. Other ones need really high-end, state-of-the-art, amazing stuff. And you know, part of that also is we need to be able to teach people how to use it. I can't tell you how many times we go into a room and there's this amazing piece of technology and nobody knows how to use it, right? So they have to be more intuitive. But it's about understanding what are we really trying to do and creating that balance so that we're not just giving everybody in every room the same thing and um, you know, killing an IT budget but never having great experiences or having a bunch of stuff that just isn't really used all the time. Well, yeah, because that's the last thing you want, right? regardless of whether it's you, 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 you don't want you don't want spaces that are never used or used poorly. And you know, from a technology standpoint, you don't want to put something in, and then six months later or a year later, you, know, you have the client say, "Well, we don't really ever we don't we don't use that for whatever reason. Either they don't understand how it works, or it simply doesn't fit their needs." Right, exactly. Uh, one of the things that I, I have found interesting, and I've discovered this over the last year, when we've worked, is there are their perception um, in, the, in the technology community is where folks from either side don't work well together. Has that been your experience, or have you, you know? Well, I, okay, so first of all, I have to tell you, I, I went to Invercom and Tide for the first time this year, and I, I have to tell you, it was it was one of those oh my God, moments for me, right? Like I, I was blown away just by, by all of the stuff that's there and the options, just literally almost overwhelmed by it. Um, but in some of the sessions, they were talking about this rift between AV and IT people, which I guess I never really realized there was. And you know, I thought that was intriguing. And then there was all this talk about, well, you know, designers and architects and blah, blah, blah. You know, being being probably one of the only ones in the room, kind of raised my hand and said, "Okay, wait a minute. Let's you know, let let me give you that perspective and let me share that with you a little bit." Um, you know, we're all living in our own silence, and we're all preaching to the choir. And one of the things I said at the AV conference in in New York is, if you guys want to uh, be more embedded and early on in the process and with designers and architects, what are you doing to be with them? Like, does anybody go to AIA or IIDA or ASID? Does anybody go to Cornet or IFMA? And nobody in the room raised their hand because, you know, they all go to, to the AP conferences and all the designers go to the designer conferences. And, you know, I think what we need to do is take those and just meld them together and force everybody to get together in the same room and to understand 
we can't create spaces that layer those together if we all aren't sitting in the same room and we're all in our own little silos singing to our own little choirs. We need to mix that up. So let's take that a step further because you, you came to um, one of the U.S.'s preeminent trade shows. Yeah. Uh, and to Tide, which is a, a, a conference that they've developed the last uh, two or three years, I want to say. Um, yeah. And specifically, honestly, to, to attract people uh, that are the creatives and the designers and stuff like that. If you are talking to Avixa, which is the group that puts on it, or you're talking to the AIA on the other side of it, what would you tell them? What would you, how would you advise them to do that very thing? Um, I, I think, you know, well, first of all, they all have tons of learning opportunities, right? So they have all these sessions, but, you know, they need to mix up the keynotes and some of these and, and um, having somebody who's a prominent architect come and speak or who is engaged in this process, I think is really important because that's what they need to hear from. And, you know, the, the notion that you said in the beginning, let's just be honest, I didn't say anything that amazing at the conference. I just happened to be a unique entity. I was like, I was, you know, it's like the only girl in a dance full of guys, right? You know, that's why I think people were like, you know, oh, okay, stood out, right? I stood out because I had a different perspective. That's really why. And I think that if there were a lot more designers and architects in the room, um, it wouldn't be that, it, you know, it wouldn't have made that mind-blowing anymore. And I think that that's what we ultimately need to get to. But I have to tell you, it's really funny. Somebody said to me, why were you there? Right? Like, I don't, I don't get that. What, what, what brought you there? And I was thinking back about how I even got involved in this realm in the first place. And I spoke at, I, I speak at a lot of different conferences, but I spoke a few years ago at an event. And just over time, I think, have kind of crept into this. And then Julian Phillips has kind of, you know, brought me in. And Megan has brought me into some of these things. But, I, you know, look, to me, I had an, a, a moment about a year ago where somebody in the firm called me and said, oh, my God, can we just vote this client? And they want to know what the future meeting rooms are. So, you know, can you, can you pull something together and you know, share what we're seeing as far as, you know, how we're designing conference rooms today? And I thought about it, and I'm like, I don't think that's the question they're even asking. They may not even know, but I think the question is, are we even going to be meeting? And what is the future of meetings? And, and how is technology going to impact that? It wasn't how many other beautiful ways can I design a 12-person conference room, you know, table and you know, make it look incredible. We can do that all day. It was really about fundamentally what are the shifts that we need to make. And so I'm really excited that we're putting together a presentation right now about gathering spaces 2.0 and what is, why are we even meeting in the first place? What is really needed and how do we design that from an architectural and an AV standpoint to make it more meaningful and impactful? And there's just some amazing things with technology today, artificial intelligence, you know, uh, some of the different tools that are out there that are really going to significantly change the way we work and where we work in the next five to 10 years, I believe. Let's talk about those, some of those shifts. Is, is that generational, do you think? Is that what happens is 
a new generation because the, the one thing is, and, and you've seen it in the media, whether it's the New York Times, Times, regardless of the publication, folks have been writing about millennials, it feels like, for 20 years. It's not true, but <laughs> that way. And no, it has been. It, it, it has, it, you're right. Because they're, they're reaching their, 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 late, their late 30s. Um, and now they're talking about the next generation, right? The, the generation Z. Mm-hmm. Is, is that what happens as a, gr- a new group of folks come into the workplace or come into the space and then you have to change it based on generations or is it just, it, you know what, it's time to shift or we've learned something before. You know, um, you know it's it, it just, we were developing as, as designers and, and this is the next, the, the next iteration. Yeah, so uh, look, I'm, I'm going to say that I think um, sometimes you do need to think about how the new workforce and the workforce in general is changing. But it's not just generational. You've got more women in the workforce. You've got a greater ethnic mix in the workforce. We are becoming a majority of minorities. You know, the, the educational issues are impacting. We have more neurodivergence in the workforce or are, are recognizing that they're in the workforce. Uh, there's multiple different things when it comes to demographics. We tend to focus just on generations. I think that's a huge mistake. I think there's probably a bigger difference between introverts and extroverts than there are between baby boomers and millennials. And I think that one of the things we did to the millennials that was really not kind is we judged them way too early and said, this is who you are. We judged them when they were 20. I want you to think back to the baby boomers and what the baby boomers were doing when they were 20. You know, they're not permanently labeled as hippies that were marching in the streets in the 60s and, you know, burning their bras and protesting and hanging out at Woodstock, right? Like, they evolved way beyond that. That was a period. It was a life stage. And every generation goes through life stages. So we have to be really careful not to pigeonhole an entire generation by what they did when they're 20 years old. And by the way, I actually believe that the, mille- the millennials are the next hero generation. You know, I, I like the fact that they're pushing back, that they're saying good is not good enough, that you know, we have high expectations, we have demands, they tend to be you know, hard workers. And the Zs that are coming in, they did not grow up being told um, you're going to have it better than us. They did not grow up being told you know, you're going to get a trophy for just showing up. They did not. Um, they, they experience some pretty scary things in their life. And I think they realize that, that they're going to have to work hard. But they also want to make sure that they don't get buried in that and that there's some balance. And quite frankly, I think it's the right attitude to have. So I think a lot of the evolution that we're seeing, some of it is driven by demand, right, and user expectation and what they want and, and what they, they demand. But it's, it's that coming together with advances in technology, both of those things coming together, and the sharing economy. It's, it's kind of like a perfect storm of just all these things coming together. And you know, quite frankly, that's happened throughout time. We're, we're going through our fourth industrial re- revolution, not our first. We've been here before. You know, 100 years ago, you could have argued, oh, my God, if we get the car, what's going to happen to all those little horses and all the blacksmiths? You know, and so today when everybody's panicking about robots, you know, we've been here. I think the scary thing about today is, um, you know, when you open that box of artificial intelligence and robotics, et cetera, that's 
that's a real game changer. That's not just horse to car. Um, there's some real long-term ramifications that we all need to make sure we fully understand and are ready to embrace. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and I, I will say that the, the comment you made about judging baby boomers when they were 20 and, and what we did to millennials. <laughs> did that ring true for you? Was that you? They don't think that we, I, we never housed it in that, in that way. And, and I, you know, yeah. not only did I get tired of, of reading and, and looking at the millennial um, pieces, but they did not ring true for me, right? That, you know, not every millennial, whatever trope and whatever um, characteristic that the media wanted to throw on them ring true for me. Um, yeah. I had never even considered the fact that, that that's exactly what we did to them, you know, um, especially when they when first started hitting the, the workplace. So, yeah. Yeah. We, um, we did a pretty massive disservice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, find it, I also find it funny is, is I'm, I'm a generational Xer, and we, we and I'm, here I am going to stereotype us, we, we have a chip on it because everybody overlooks us, and we're perfectly fine with it. Yeah, yeah, well, you you were the less key kids, right? So you're you're used to it. Sorry to say that, but you're also the smallest generation, to be honest. You know, that's that's another part of it. And and it and you know, again, I don't think we really focus as much as on the generational attributes when the baby boomers and the Gen Zs were around. So I just think that you know that really became a thing with the millennials, and it just exploded. And so there's just so much more focus on that. There, it, it, it is. It, it, I think some of it's also the, the, the sheer numbers, right? The, the sheer numbers of boomers and millennials. On us, both, both yeah. Yeah, um, we're all going to pay for this when we're in the nursing home, by the way. But we've, yeah. what we've done to the millennials, it'll come back and bite us one day. Absolutely. Um, you, you talked a little bit about, you know, the, the, the length of time, folks. And, and it does depend on the, on the customer and the client, how long they think they're going to be in a space, right? Uh, yeah microwave uh, is there a, such a thing as improving the space in your mind if if the client let's say the client thinks they're going to be there for a while right there again they're planting their flag um yeah the way to, to future proof that or is that just not even a, a... okay so i'm going to split a hair here yeah. um i don't i don't believe in future proofing the future is coming. You can't proof against it. You can be future ready. And I think there absolutely are ways to be future ready. Uh, and part of that is to accept the fact that things are going to change and to be flexible and to create spaces that are adaptable. Um, and I think that's really what we try to focus on with our clients. And, you know, part of that is understanding where do you get your bang for your buck? What's the big thing? Let's, let's focus a lot on this one area and then, you know, in other spaces. I mean, people did a lot with uh, video conference rooms and telepresence, et cetera. And, and this is one of those cases where good was good enough. Uh, you know, people's video on their laptop ended up for a lot of people being a much cheaper, much easier, much more accessible, much more mobile solution and that actually ended up in the end trumping a lot of those really expensive, elaborate rooms that were uh, not necessarily the right solutions. So I think we need to think about where do you put your money, where do you not, uh, what's flexible, and uh, not putting all your money into one big pot because 
there's another dish coming down the line and you better be ready to shift to it. Well, let's talk about that because as we wrap up here, what do you think? Uh, let's, I don't, let's talk about future ready, how, how do we get future ready? Yeah, so we have a whole presentation that we put together about artificial intelligence and the, and the human experience. And we have one that we put together about a day in the life of 2025. But the cliff notes of both of those really are, I think our days of being electronic Sherpas are kind of over. You know, we kind of, we kind of lug everything with us everywhere we need to go. And if you think about this, everywhere you go, you need to sit but you don't drag a chair with you because chairs are where you need them to be. And quite frankly, these, the, the days of us lugging all this technology everywhere we need to go, uh, now that we have the cloud and if really truly technology and information is you know, omnipresent, we can tap into that in a way we just need to be smarter about it. And I think you know, there's a real easy example here of what the future could be in the workplace. And I think it's the auto industry. Uh, I think if you look at it, there are cars out there today that when you walk up to a car, the fob in your pocket lets that car know that it's you. And the door automatically unlocks, and everything in that car, the radio, the mirrors, the steering column, the seat, everything adjusts to you. And it's all set by when you get in there. And so, you know, that's a, that's a smart, enabled solution. In workplaces today, most people are still trying to, you know, crawl around under their desk trying to find a power outlet. And we have the ability today to create far better experiences by uh, embracing technology and, and, and infusing it into our solutions that will create more responsive solutions. And so, I think, honestly, that's, that's the natural next step that we're really going to be seeing and we're really going to be experiencing in the workplace. I think artificial intelligence, um, you know, we're already starting to see that coming into the workplace. I don't, I don't think many people even realize how uh, frequently it's being used. I think we have the, the Internet of Things that is going to change the way that we function in buildings and manage buildings. So we're already going down the path, and it's, you know, you can kind of play this out over the next five or 10 years and see how this is going to evolve and expand to really kind of create, not take over, but to supplement and to create better user experiences that enable us and to help us be more effective and efficient. Do you think how that's how we're going to have to couch it to the general public, to our clients, that this is not a takeover, but this is supplementing? and making your life easier? Well, I, I guess I could argue that there is an element uh, that, <laughs> there is an element of artificial intelligence that I, that I do think should trouble us. I do think that, you know, there's early stage and there's late stage. And, and when we were doing a ton of research on this, I think what we found is that people that tend to be very optimistic um, look at five and 10 years out. It's where are we in 20 or 30 years with this as it evolves that I think starts to scare people. And so people like Bill Gates or Elon Musk or you know, Stephen Hawkins have waved the caution flag and said, you better think long and hard about what we're about to do here because this could be 
uh, a massive game changer for us. I think Stephen Hawkins, and I, I don't have the quote in front of me, but Stephen Hawkins has this, had this great quote about well, basically in a race with technology to see how quickly it evolves and the intelligence of which we choose to use it. And I think that's really true. Uh, I think we're seeing that right now with sensors. Everybody's jumping on the bandwagon with sensors, but they don't even know what they're going to do without the information they're collecting. And they have all these clients that are saying, well, we want to see the data. We want to see the data. It's like, do you really want to see, you know, a, uh, a database of thousands of, of, of numbers? Like, I mean, that's the, what you want to know is that we're leveraging that to get you the right results. And, you know, but a lot of people don't even know how to, to leverage the information that they're collecting. So we just have to be very intelligent and thoughtful about what we're doing and not just jumping on the bandwagon for everything that comes down to the pike. That would be a good place to stop. Hey, Sergeant from HOK, thank you so much for your time. Happy to. Uh, how do people get a hold of you or HOK? Oh, HOK.com. And there's all kinds of great things in there. If you're really interested in this, I think one of the best things I would say is go look at our uh, sports and rec and some of the esports stuff that we're doing. I think they're really doing an amazing job of taking the physical and the virtual realm and uh, intermixing them and creating you know, next generation experiences. And you can get a hold of me. I oversee our workplace team with Gordon Wright. Uh, I'm at k.sargent at hok.com. It's k-a-y dot s-a-r-g-e-n-t at hok.com. All right. Thank you, K Sergeant. Uh, again, you can catch K at HOK. Uh, for us, for Aviation, you can go by the website, aviation.tv. That's aviation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others, including our two weekly news programs. One looks at the commercial side of the audiovisual industry. One looks at the residential side. Uh, the commercial side is called AV Week. Residential side is called Resi Week. Those post uh, both Monday and Wednesday. Also, while you're there, uh, you can register and, and, and subscribe to our daily show. It's called The Daily Download. It's five minutes a condensed version of all the shows that we, we produce. Uh, also, uh, check out our supporters section. These are the folks who help us financially, help us bring you Architect and AV Week and all that and more. So all that at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. That's all the time we have for Architect. 